0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. It is 156 AD in the city of Smyrna in Asia Minor. There were a group of Christians who had come uh, to the attention of the Roman governor of the region who had refused to give a pinch of incense to Caesar, and uh, the Roman governor uh, thought that he needed to take this matter in hand and so began to round up several Christians. Uh, Some of them denied Christ to save their lives. Uh, Some of them uh, went to their deaths. The bishop of Smyrna at that time was uh, St. Polycarp, who uh, had been a disciple of St. John uh, the Evangelist. St. John, as you remember, um, lived to an old age, and he was over those churches of Asia Minor around Ephesus and uh, ministered to them. And Polycarp was a teenager uh, when John um, handed over uh, that church in Smyrna to him. Uh, Polycarp, uh, it it seems, was a very simple man, um, not a man of great learning, but of incredible devotion and he was uh, burned to death in the arena there in Smyrna. This is uh, the life of the church. This is the picture of the church and the picture of the church that um, we lose to our own detriment. The idea of self-sacrifice and of love and sacrifice uh, is a very important one and one that we can get wrong on one end or the other Um, Oftentimes, we don't like to think of sacrifice because uh, we don't think of the God of Israel as a God um, of sacrifice when it comes to uh, human beings. It's so much so that when we read this uh, passage from Genesis uh, in chapter 22 about uh, the Lord calling Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, uh, we find it, I think, uh, naturally repugnant or abhorrent, right? Um, Even though... And it's not a big deal, right? For the ancient world, sacrificing your children was just what people did. Pagan religions all over the world. It's not unique. We see it in every continent. We see it in every group. Um, The people of Israel did it all the time when they would go to sacrifice to Baal, um, which most of them, it seems, did for almost all the history of the nation of Israel. There were a couple of prophets along the way telling them, please stop. This is not what the God of Israel calls you to do and you'll suffer the consequences for it. But they kept doing it. They sacrificed their children, just like the people around them. We sacrifice our children today. We sacrifice our babies out of a matter of convenience, uh, out of a matter of um, personal taste, um, to the tune of millions. So we really shouldn't read this and be surprised. What is surprising is that we know that the God of Israel doesn't offer human sacrifice. He doesn't call us to do that. That's the first point, is that um, the God of Israel does not call for human sacrifice. The second point is that there is one notable exception, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Abraham and Isaac are types for Christ. Types meaning that they um, prepare us for the way of Christ. They prepare us for the model of what it is that Jesus does to bring us to the Father. Abraham and Isaac are types, um, but they're not enough right? Um, Abraham is the model of faithfulness. He does what the Lord tells him to do, right? This is what faith means. The Lord tells him to sacrifice his son, and he does what? He gets up early in the morning to do it, right? It's this, um, this obedience, this faithfulness, this loyalty that Abraham exhibits when he takes Isaac up the mountain. He takes Isaac up a very important mountain, Mount Moriah, which is where Jerusalem is situated, and the top of the hill on which the temple is built. So Moriah is a very important place. And then when you read about Isaac carrying his own wood up the mount to the top, um, if you're not thinking about Christ, you're not reading the scriptures, right? This is a picture of Christ carrying his own wood up to the top of the temple mount for sacrifice to offer. But Isaac, um, even though he's probably a really great guy and and a good boy for his father, is not God. And the sacrifice that Jesus offers, he is able to offer because he's God. He's able to take all of our sins. No human being can do that. He's able to recreate us. Only our creator can do that, as we've been reading in St. Athanasius on our Wednesday nights, right? Only the creator can recreate. And so Isaac is none of those things. Isaac can't take our sins. He can't understand the scope of that sacrifice. Um, He can't do anything uh, but be obedient. And this is what Jesus says um, to the apostles, that you are called to be obedient and you are called to be faithful. And he juxtaposes this to adultery, right? He says, you know what it means to be faithful. Faith is not complex for you because you know what adultery is and you know how important it is. Um, All of us understand that. We understand when we see um, a husband or a wife deny the other, right? To condemn the other, to talk cruelly to the other, to abandon the other. We recognize that as being something of abhorrence. And so this is the model in which we think about our relationship to God. And if we um, deny him or we turn away from him, uh, it is um, abhorrent, or at least it should be to us. And this is what um, Jesus is saying to St. Peter. He's saying that you're, you're denying me because you're denying the plan of salvation of the Father. This is the Father's plan. If you make yourself an enemy to the Father's plan, there's only one name for that. There was only one name. And every time we read that, we don't like that either, do we? We don't like Jesus calling Peter Satan. We think, well, that's not polite. (laughs) Right? That's not polite. That's not the way we talk to people. Jesus was worried about something more than politeness, though. Peter's salvation. Peter's recognition of the sacrifice that he was making. And so he says, if you're going to come to me, if you're going to follow me, then you need to participate with me. This is another important point that we often forget as well, because we think, well, Jesus accomplished everything, so we kind of get to sit back and and enjoy the fruits of those labors, and that's really not what Jesus says at all. He doesn't say, I'm going to sacrifice, so you take it easy. He says, I've sacrificed, and you're going to do it, too. You're going to do it, too. Our sacrifice isn't for the salvation of the whole world. Our sacrifice is in participation with the sacrificial love of our Father because that is what our souls are built for. Our souls are built for sacrifice. Our souls are built for love, and either we use them in that fashion and we use them for the fashion of eternity or we corrupt them. We attach them to things that would corrupt, and when we attach them to the material, to the things that corrupt, then our souls corrupt. And Jesus says, you can't do both. That is what he calls forfeiting our souls. If we forfeit our souls, that means we attach it to something that's corrupt. We are adulterous to our eternal father. We are adulterous to the eternity of our own souls. We are adulterous to our own claim to eternity. And we die in the corruption with which we have made allegiance. And so he says that we are to proclaim his name without shame, which is, I think, what St. Paul is doing in, uh, in this letter uh, to the Romans in chapter 8. Um, he talks about the glory of Christ. He talks about being um, enthusiastic and being, um, you know, proclaiming of the name of Christ. And um, this is a fascinating chapter because this is one of those chapters that you see people put on posters, t-shirts, needle points in people's kitchens. You see athletes write some of these verses on their tennis shoes. You know, there's one really important verse right in the middle of this passage that I've never seen anybody write down. <clears throat> Why is it this is the one that I always pick out? That's your, 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 I guess, problem for coming and listening to me talk about it. Because this is the one that strikes me, right? This is the one that I read in that passage and say, uh-oh, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. <clears throat> you ever see that on a t-shirt? <laughs> For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Wait a minute. He just said that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, right? What does he say? Who shall separate us? So Shall famine or or anything, right? We're at the right hand of God who's interceding for us, right? Who's going to condemn us? And yet we are sheep to be slaughtered. I don't know that there's any way really to understand that except in the lives of the saints. When St. Polycarp goes to uh, to the governor and the governor says, uh, you know, all you've got to do, it's not a big deal. Is just say, luck to Caesar, and throw in a little incense. That's it. And St. Polycarp says, yeah, but what you don't understand is this fire that you just started that you're about to tie me to is going to go out. The fires of hell dunk. My claim is to eternity, my God is eternal. He says, I've served Christ for 86 years and he has done me no harm. He has done me no harm. He has been faithful to me. And Polycarp's witness was so much that those in the crowd that saw it were shocked by the cruelty of the Romans and inspired by the faithful, loyal obedience of Polycarp, though he was at least 86 if not 90 years of age, he was faithful. How did he do it? It's not complex. He did the things that we're doing this Lent. He prayed. He prayed an hour before the soldiers took him away. He said, Can you give me some time to pray? He prayed for everybody he knew. He fasted. He gave alms to the poor. And he read the scriptures. Though he wasn't really a learned man, the epistle that he wrote is full of quotations of the scriptures, and all of his speech was the same. We will fast, we will give alms, we will pray, and we will read God's word. And in that, we will display courage when it is our time to proclaim the name of God. And we will be faithful and obedience to the end. Amen.